Morning again, friends. Uh, we're on a journey through Titus called Training Titus, if you haven't been with us. Uh, just to catch you up, last week um, we thought, thought about this as well. But this, uh, this week we're training Titus and trained to be, uh, what have we got there? Trained for doing good is what I've called it. Looking at only three verses, which we'll get to. But for the, if you weren't here last week, so let me catch you up for if you weren't here last week. Obviously, it was Dad's Day last week, and we had trustworthy saying, which we focused in on, and we started in Titus chapter or Titus chapter three, verse eight, where the trustworthy saying is. Uh, just a reminder that uh, the trustworthy saying is not dad jokes. Okay, so this, did you see the sign on the way in? It's here if you missed it. I've got it up the front. Okay, no dad jokes allowed today. That was last week. And from uh, the trustworthy saying in Titus was reminding the people about the gospel good news and being trained by that trustworthy saying. That was, the trustworthy saying, there's five in the pastorals and that was the last one that we looked at, the pastoral letters uh, that we find in Timothy and Titus. And today we continue on starting from verse 8 and just, I'll start there reading that for us, 3 verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God, and note that, those that are trusted in God, may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So we're going to continue on looking at that and uh, seeing on that verse there. And as we do that, let me ask you this question. Do you want to do what's excellent? Do you want to do what is profitable? Not rhetorical, some people answer that, so you can too. And I really want you to think about that because the verse goes on to say that these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Do you want to do what's profitable for Jesus, what's profitable for you, what's, what's excellent for Jesus and excellent for Jesus and what's of excellence for you? Uh, we'll we'll um, continue to think about that. Just to tell you about next week, we'll be finishing the last part of this letter. So that will be happening next week. And that'll be the end of our series. You'll go, oh, yeah. But I I wonder what you have appreciated so far on the way through or what you've learned, what the Lord has been teaching you. I love one of the people who've been baptized recently. Uh, Baptized name is Adiak. Adiak, and she's not here this morning, I can't see, is she? No. But if she was here, you could ask her, because she told me the other week, and I love how she talks about it. She says, uh, Father God has been teaching me this. And she kind of looks for what Father God has been teaching her for in the week. And I think it's a really helpful thing to be doing. But I may, maybe if you just take a moment to share with someone next to you what Father God has been teaching you. Now, you may not feel confident to do that. You may not feel that comfortable in doing that. Um, and you may not think you don't ha- you have that much to share, but let me tell you, if you do, I reckon the people next to you will be really encouraged. So take a moment to see how that goes. Go for it. What has Father God been teaching you? Okay, hopefully that's giving you a good time to share with someone. It's great to hear those conversations happening. 
Um, I don't know what you've been learning, but I'd love to love to hear more people, what they're sharing. I was thinking too of uh, the place you go to wasn't a place to sit still, it was to catch waves. And it's like wondering, Jesus is catching the wave with me and what well, he's going to teach me. But uh, yeah, hopefully you've been learning things in Titus and keep sharing those things. It's encouraging. Two uh, training points, just to touch on quickly, is how do you find Titus in the New Testament? It's with all the other T's. So remember, yep, the other T's, 1, 2 Thessalonians, 1, 2 Timothy, and then you get Titus, there you go. First quick training point. The second one, which I mentioned last week, was how do you share the gospel, or how do you do that? And one way to remember the gospel, or how to do that, is uh, two ways to live. I showed you the track. Now, I've got the T-shirt, and a uh, quick look at that, a couple of the pictures. And someone said, oh, you should maybe explain a little bit more. Now, has anyone seen this way of explaining the gospel before? Put up your hand if you have. I just want to have a quick survey. Okay, a few of us. So I'll just work through it quickly, and there's a verse to go with it, and this may, might be of help for you. This is one way of sharing the gospel, the good news message with people. So if you see there in working from left to right, and that circle is the world, okay? So that represents the world all the way through there. That represents crown, the Lord, and then us. So starting off from the very beginning of the story that God created the world, He created us to look after and steward the world, and He was to do that under Him as our King. And there's a verse that goes out in Revelation, reminds us that God's worthy of praise because He is the Creator of all things. And that reminds us of that. The second picture then that you see is something's changed, hasn't it? That is that we've stepped out of that rule of God and don't want Him to be the King of things. We want to be the King of our own little lives. And so we say no to His, his rule and we, we reject what He has for us and rebel in that, in that sense. And the Scriptures remind us of that as well in Isaiah 53 and this has been updated recently and this is one of the verses that they changed using Isaiah 53 for this second one to say that we all have gone astray like sheep have all gone astray and we've all turned to our own way um, the verse goes on and we'll get back to that but the third picture there that we see there isn't that exciting one but you've got to hear the bad news so you can understand the good news and that we'll all face and God will have a day of reckoning for that when we all have to give an account to Him. And the scriptures that remind us in Hebrews that every person is destined to die once and then after that to face judgment. They'll have to face God and give an account for that. Good news kicks in here because God doesn't want to leave us in that predicament. And as we see in that next picture, that God sends His Son and actually His Son to step in and to die for us. Uh, like one of us, but, but he lives the perfect life that we could never live and he died in place of us. And so we have Jesus stepping in and the good news of him coming as Isaiah reminds us there at the second part of that, that uh, the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Not only has the Lord done that, the story doesn't finish there because we see that that little picture Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose to life again and He's the King of all things. In the book of 1 Peter, the letter to 1 Peter, it says, Praise God the Father, 
uh, and Jesus Christ. They're given us a new hope and a living hope because of the resurrection, yeah? And so we have the good news of the resurrection in the gospel story. Lastly, there we have what is called two ways to live, a choice that we all have to make, whether we're going to allow Jesus to be the king of our life or whether we'll keep ruling and living our own way and the different outcomes of that will happen. John's gospel puts that very clearly in John 3 after the pretty famous verse. It says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And so we all have to make that choice and we all uh, come to uh, have to make a decision when it comes to the gospel message. So that's one way of remembering uh, the gospel story and then how you can encourage people to uh, talk to God about that and to submit to Him, submit to Jesus and to pray to the Lord in taking those first steps in following Him. Now, you can probably all think of people that you'd love to hear that message and make a decision on that or make a response to that. I want you to just close your eyes and think about that person right now or those people. And I'm going to just wrap up that time in praying for those people that you are bringing to your mind and to your heart now and bring them before the Lord. Lord God, we want to thank you for the relationships that you have put, in, put us in, but we thank you most of all for the relationship that you have given us in the Lord Jesus, that we can come and be reconciled to you. We can know what it is to not be fear, fearful of sin and death, but to be a child of you, Lord God. And so we thank you for that. And we want to pray that other people come to know that good news and what it is to have you as the Lord and Saviour and the King of our life and those people that we have identified in our minds who are on our hearts today, Lord God. We ask that you might help us to take opportunities to share that message that you have given with them. Thank you that there is a message of good news to share that brings hope to all people that find it. And we pray, Lord God, that you'll continue to use us to share that message of hope with those around us and those that you have brought us into relationship with. And we ask and pray and bring them before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Today we will have, uh, we'll, we'll see how good good works are and what it means to be devoted to those good works. Uh, so that's what we're getting to today. And I will remind you that, uh, which the scriptures remind us of as well, um, that our good deeds doesn't c- contribute to our salvation, but it confirms our salvation really. So, uh, as in 3.5, if you just look back up to that, it reminds us there that God saved us not because of the righteous things we have done. And it kind of reminded me of this image. See the great image of the tree there? Remember that we're told the roots, and we know that the roots are much larger than the tree, and the roots kind of like remind me of God's grace, the grace, uh, the roots representing the grace and then you have, which grows up from that, the tree and, and the foliage, and then the fruit, and the fruit representing the good works, um, the fruit representing the good. So the, the grace 
roots bring the good fruit, so to speak, yeah? Grass roots, grace roots, you get that? You with me, yeah? Bring the good, bring the good fruit and the good tree. And Jesus calls us to bear good fruit, doesn't he? In Matthew 7, he says that good trees bear good fruit. And he calls us to be like that good tree. In verse 9, which we're looking at today, starts off there with a but. And last week, we looked at, you know, some of the big buts in the Bible. Uh, verse 4 starts off with that as well in chapter 3. 3, 4, but when the kindness and love of God speaks into our life. Here in verse 9, however, it says, but, and it contrasts the good and the excellent and the profitable from the bad, from the unproductive, and the unproductive and unprofitable. And so, goes on to say in verse 9, but avoid, and there are things to avoid. There are things to avoid in the northern rivers, if you notice them lately. They're these things, none of these things. Oh, yeah, yes, okay. A few of you uh, laugh a little, yes. If you live on Euralba Road, they've just fixed them up, haven't they? That's why you're smiling so much, is it? Euralba Road is fixed now, yes. I don't know about Humpty Back Road. It's still Humpty Bumpty Road last time I went down it. And there are things to avoid on the road. Well, Paul says to young Titus, uh, there are things to avoid on the island of Crete. And the Crete Island Roads, why Titus is driving, so to speak, well, there's certain things that he reminds them to uh, avoid. He talks about law quarrels and about genealogy controversies. Follow along with me. But avoid foolish conversation or controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. In the time and the context, uh, we have the Jewish culture, which is spread out too to different places of the Roman Empire. And we have Jewish rabbis who are looking for fine kind of genealogies. And it seems that there's these controversies which are raising and people are looking for the finest kind of pedigree or ancestry history and arguing over these things. Then there's also in the context, uh, the culture is, it's, it's um, Greek culture, isn't it? The New Testament written in Greek and that culture is spread through the time, even though the Romans were in rule by then. Greek philosophy was still alive and well and Greek philosophers are not looking for fine genealogies. What are they looking for? They're looking for fine arguments, a little bit like a teenager. Uh, looking for fine arguments and uh, that's what's happening on the island. Similar to what's happening over in Ephesus, if you're in Turkey in Ephesus, it's the same on the Ephesian, Ephesian road, so to speak. And Paul writes to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, he says their people are devoted to myths and they're devoted to endless genealogies. And there are some contentious people there are some opinionated people. There are some people that always think that the other person's view is wrong. Can you think of any of those people? Don't say their name out loud, okay? And uh, maybe you can picture those person. Well, he, he doesn't say avoid them here yet. He'll say that in the next verse. 
Uh, there's reasons to avoid, but avoid maybe the conversations that bring these uh, controversies. Why is he to do that? Uh, why? Because they're not good for the community. They're not good for the community because it's bringing division at the time and divisive people can bring division rather than unity. And he says it's not, it's not profitable in a financial sense. It's not a good investment or where to invest your time and your energy. And so it's not profitable. It's not good like it's not good to hit a pothole while you're driving, yeah? We went to Old Bernalbo this year too for the boys' camp and girls' camp went there as well. And as some leaders or different people traveled there at different times, one of them and, and several of them got blown out tires on the way. The roads there's bad too, you can imagine, a bit further out, country roads. And uh, one person in particular blew the tire, stopped, changed it, went along a little bit further and they blew a second tire. So what happens when your spare tire's blown as well? Your car's useless to you until you get it fixed, right? And in a similar way, saying uh, there are conversations and there are topics which can uh, do the same thing. What are current Christian issues maybe that you think of? A current one which was very divisive uh, is the, the whole vaccination thing, which is probably a recent thing. I think it's kind of over now. Uh, what, have, what are the current things that keep possibly coming up? Oh, there, there's old kind of conversations maybe about whether the earth is young or old. Um, other Christian issues could be, you know, we're Baptists, modes of baptism. There can be a lot of conversation about that. Could be eschatology, you know, end times, what happens in the end times and working those things out. They can all be potholes depending, well it really depends on the person and the approach and the attitude that they take on that and the setting. I, th I think there is context and times we need to talk about these things and share our, our differing, maybe even differing opinions, but there is a time and a place for that and a time not to have fringe conversations which is going to develop division and which is going to develop people taking sides and is going to be dangerous to people or people's faith and people particularly who are young in the faith could be big potholes for them. So verse 10, he goes on then to say, a warning. And he says, warn a divisive person and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Harsh? Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? You, want to, you might want to take the same approach with someone who um, is a serial dad joke offender. Give them one warning twice and then never again. But something more serious here about a serial divisive person. Why is Titus to do this? Well, Titus is the leader and he's leading that faith community. What is the goal? What is Jesus' prayer for his church? Is that they be united and that they be one. And uh, it's important for, Timothy, uh, for Titus as he oversees this faith community to take this seriously. Also, if he is the faith leader of this community and the faith father of this community, so to speak, uh, he needs to be a good steward of his time and his energy as well and be a faithful servant. 
in going about his ministry. And so Paul gives him that advice uh, to do that. He goes on verse 11, and just the third verse of what we're looking at today, to say, you may be sure that such a person or such a man your scriptures might have, and uh, men being teaching at that time, is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Um, not really a word that is used that much these days. Sorry, I haven't clicked through here. Um, but I wanted to share a story about you because warped is, isn't really used that much these days. But if you see that picture there, it was a deck that I helped me and my son uh, built in January 2021. And some decking and some flooring is what we use in the building industry is warped. And that is that it's bowed or it's twisted. And here, is, you know, people that are warped or twisted from the truth. And you can spend a lot of time uh, in there trying to straighten out a board and fix it in the right place and not get very far because it wants to go its own way. And in a similar way, that's happening in the church life in Crete. And Paul says to Titus, uh, he says, you need to um, steer clear of these certain people and their, their own, uh, actually, what they do will become obvious and they'll be uh, self-condemned for what they're doing. Earlier on in the letter, and this sounds very similar to what happens in verse 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, because he's talking about false teaching there and the false teachers, that they can't receive correction and verse 16, if you look there, in 1.16, he says they're unable to do, they're unfit to do anything good. Same word, anything good. But over in chapter 2, by contrast, Titus is to be a, a good teacher. He is to be an example of teacher, uh, uh, he is to be a good example and a teacher of what is good. In 3.8, as I read it again and remind us, he says, devote yourself or devote themselves. Those that follow God, be careful to devote themselves to what is good. Further down in verse 14, when you get to the end of the letter, he says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. And this gives... Um, further validity to our witness and the message which we take to people. This gives, uh, it develops us as Christian people and helps us to be practical to other people. But let's think about this as we, we kind of finish off. What is good? And there's, you know, you've got to kind of define what good is, don't you? Because people could fill in all sorts of things of what is good. So you start thinking, what is good? And what our world says is good, what humanity says is good. Well, we thought it was good at a point in time in history to remove children from their family. That created a whole stolen generation. As a country at the moment, we think it's good for same-sex marriage. We think it's, or it seems to be good to, at the moment, seemingly good to teach 
gender fluidity or even gender transitioning. Thankfully, there seems to be a little bit of um, slow up to that at the moment. I don't know if you picked up in the news. A UK transitioning clinic has been closed down and there's people that have been transitioned now have a case and a civil case against that, that place. And there's others joining that. It's, it's a joint kind of civil um, case. And there's all sorts of things that we can think are good. I only heard of a story the other day in a preschool of a teacher saying t- to the kids, young kids, if you feel like a boy today, stand up. Or if you feel like a girl today, stand up. What is good? So we've got to define what good is, don't we? Um, if we go from Australia to the UK to the US, today is September 11, 9-11. Some people in a certain time thought that it was a good thing to fly planes into a building. And so we've got to be really thoughtful about how we define what is good. That was really an act of evil and an act of terrorist, act of extremist. But we're also called to be extreme as well. Extreme in doing good, devoted to doing what is good. So let's let Jesus define what is good and allow Him to speak into it and allow Him to define. If you are to go to Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, you'll find Jesus have a conversation with a rich young ruler. Do you remember the story? It's actually in Luke 18, but the parallel story is in Luke 19. In Luke 18, uh, the teacher who has obviously is wealthy and who has influence and they call him the rich young ruler. He obviously has some influence, it seems. He asked Jesus, a good teacher, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? And in a way, Jesus is pointing out who he actually is. He says, only God is good. And then he goes on to define what is some good because he has his conversation with this man and he talks about the commandments and he talks about caring for the poor there which are really at the heart of a good God. And in the, parallel, in the parallel passage in Matthew 19, if you'll go and have a study of that or look at that sometime today. In Matthew 19, there's two other interactions which happened before that. There's some Pharisees there and they think it's good to get divorced and so they have a conversation with Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with them. Further on after that, the disciples think it's good to shoe on the children, right? And Jesus has a conversation with them and shows them that it's good investing in young people. It's good actually that, that you can see something about these young people and the, trust that, the example of trust they have. And then there's a story of the rich young ruler. And he says to Jesus, What good must I do to enter eternal life? He's thinking that there's significance in the good that he does to his salvation. He didn't have Titus 3.5 then, right? It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't written then for him then. Um, 3.5, which reminds us that it's actually by God's mercy, um, not by our good works. And Jesus goes on to have that conversation with him to point out what are some things that aren't good because he goes and talks about the commandments with him. It's not good to murder it's not good to commit adultery. It's not good to lie. goes on to say, it is good to honor your parents. It is good to love your neighbor. 
It is good to look after the poor, sell your possessions. And the most good thing that you could do, the best thing you could do is come and follow him and follow his teachings. What does good look like when we get to Titus 3.14? Well, it's defined a little bit for us, isn't it? It says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. What good is defined here? It's providing and it's being productive. Providing for the needs of others, uh, whether that, that's physically, or that could be emotionally and spiritually, and being productive. Uh, laziness and a lazy life is not a Christian life. A laziness is happening on the island of Crete. Remember what he said about them? Their lies all there. Even their own people have said that in the past. Uh, in, the lo- in the land of Oz, we're known for being a bit of lazy, aren't we? And the lazy life isn't the Christian life. Uh, we're called to be productive. And the work that we do is not just so we have enough, it's so actually you contribute and you can provide for others. And we're called to be hard workers in that way. What good uh, is God putting on your heart as we come to finish our time thinking? What good is He calling you to what good is he calling us to as a community? Let me say there is a lot of good happening among our community here. Even if I was just to go back to Friday, uh, there's some really good things happening in bringing young mums together and in the Mums Connect and, and what was happening here on Friday. Friday night in gathering the youth and the, the good things that are happening there in their spiritual development. There's lots of good stuff that is happening, right? And, but there's also lots of opportunities and lots of opportunities and possibilities are really endless of, you know, the good that we could be involved in in Lismore of recent times. And there's a particular family that we're being sewing into um, and trying to uh, yeah, show them good and, and doing good things in their life. There's even down at Wardell, which way are we think facing that way? Uh, down at Wardell, uh, we joint contributed with Ballina Baptists in putting some of those packages for those families um, doing what I would say is a really good thing in service in loving them. But the possibilities really are endless, aren't they? And there, there's even uh, opportunities with the pod communities, which are happening just now, the pod community up at Walling Bar. I know there's individual efforts of good that is being happening there. And uh, as, a, as a community here, we have opportunity to think about how we might invest in that place and do good there. I don't know if you know, on Tuesdays, and I only found this out recently, the Baptist Care van has been going there. It, it takes their uh, different grocery goods and they have a pantry, a mobile pantry, which is happening. Uh, that's ha- happening there each Tuesday. But what are the opportunities? What, what are the possibilities? Baptist Care also has just appointed just this week too a chaplain who is a community chaplain for this Northern Rivers area, or particularly focused in Lismore. And proud to announce that the new chaplain two days a week is Pastor TM. That's not me, it's another TM, Tony Meston. And I'm very excited that he's got that position and I think he's a good value for it. 
but taking that community chaplain role. Did you know that there's a pod community happening at Korokai, nearly about to open as well? Did you know that? There's a pod community happening at Korokai. There is, and Baptist Care has been invited uh, to provide a chaplain there, to provide caseworkers there, to provide volunteers there. We, as the Baptists of the Northern Rivers, Baptist churches, Korokai has been something that's been on our radar and our heart, thinking about how we can possibly sow into that community in recent years. And maybe this is the opportunity to do that. And thinking about the Christian witness that could possibly have and provide down there, what good we could be involved in there. Lots of possibilities, right? But what is God calling you to? What good is He calling you to this week? What good is He calling us to as a faith community here? We need to probably do a little bit of praying about that. We need to discern what, what God is saying to us as a community. We need to be sharing that so we can be confirming that, don't we? And we need to be praying a bit more about that. And I want to encourage us, if, there's, if, if that's something that's on your heart, to do that after we gather together today. Um, or at the time after, to, to pray with others and start praying into that. What good is God calling us to do? There's lots of opportunities out there, but what is the God calling? What is the God calling for us as a Christian community? I'm going to invite our musos up. And as we sing this song, maybe you can keep reflecting upon that. Uh, asking Jesus to confirm what is the good? Checking it with Jesus. Checking it with His Spirit who is alive and who is in you to confirm with us through His Spirit what is the good that you are calling us to, God. I think this is off. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. It was good to be together and invite you to share in morning tea and just spend some time with each other. Now let me just pray God's blessing on you. And sometimes the most powerful blessing I can pray on anyone is the name of Jesus. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I bless you that you may know how high and wide and deep and all-encompassing is the Father heart of God for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you will know that he walks with you, that he talks with you, that he is a part of you, that he will never leave you alone. I bless you and I speak Jesus into each of your lives, into your hearts, into your minds, into your spirits, into your relationships, into your going and into your coming, that you may know the fullness of the living God in your lives this day, this week, and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.